today on Café Roberto. I am so honored to have our next guest. Our guest is Dan Vargas from Vargas and Amigos, an icon. I consider him an original Latino admin. I've learned so much from him the past couple of decades. You will too. So let's go ahead and let's start having a conversation with Dan. so happy that one you know because of this pandemic we haven't been able to see each other and have coffee and breakfast like we usually do you know every month and moving back to Atlanta one of the i would say one of the most things that got me excited is to be able to connect with you again um like we did uh i wouldn't say the old days but we did you know years ago when we uh we're working in the agency together but um Dan welcome to my new podcast Cafe with Roberto and uh thank you how are you I'm doing happy here. <laughs> oh god yes that is awesome um i already had too much cuban coffee i started at <laughs> if i have any more you know i don't know if if they allow me to live here You'll be bouncing off the wall, right? <laughs> I know. Dan, you know, one of the things what I want to do is introduce you, I think, and I, and this is from the heart, I consider you uh, more than a friend. I consider you uh, uh, an amazing mentor, uh, someone who's guided me the last 20 years, uh, the original Latino ad man, um, fellow brother, you know, everything. And what I want to do is let everybody know your story. And and I know that your story starts in this beautiful, small little town called New York, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but tell everybody, look, you're, you're fat, and you were in the military too, which is crazy. Um, how did you decide to be in this crazy, industry just tell it man just tell this amazing story well uh i was 14 years old and my sister got me a job in an advertising agency and i went over i went over there and i i was a messenger i lived in brooklyn i was born and raised in brooklyn you know, puerto rican family and uh went to New York, Manhattan, and they they told me I had to take things to this agency and this and to that agency. And I didn't know where the streets were and anything. They had to draw little maps for me to, to go from, uh, from 42nd Street to 48th Street and Madison Avenue and things like that. So, I, I would deliver to these agencies and there would be uh, people there who were art directors or copywriters and they were sitting like this. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I'd go, what are you doing? I'm thinking, thinking, you get paid for that? 
<laughs> so I, I said, you know what? My father works for a living. These people just think. <laughs> so I, I learned the poses. I learned how to be a thinker. <laughs> and they told me what school to go to, where, where to... Uh, to find art schools and things like that. And there are nice people. I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of nice people out there who want to help young people. Yes. You know, and they took the time to help me and, and guide me. And uh, one day I, I delivered a package to uh, this agency and it, it was, it, I worked for an art studio and they said, uh, they said, this is wrong. You know, and I and I looked at it, and they said, "What's wrong with it? This has to be here, and this has to be there." And you know, they did it wrong. I said, "Don't worry." And I took the initiative, and I fixed it. You know, and uh, when I went back to the agency, they said, uh, "They said, you know what? The client called, and he said we would have lost the account if it wasn't for you." You know, you, you save the account. So they put me on the board. You know, I, here I was, I was uh, about 15, 16 years old, and I'm on a board working uh, as, a, as an, an assistant. And uh, graduated school, went to, uh, went to community college, for art also, then I went to uh, visual arts. And uh, I was 21 when I was a full-fledged art director. Wow. You know? And then what, how was it, you know, back then there wasn't a lot of art directors of color, right? And and then we all seen the Mad Men series, you know, with that. But uh, how did you manage being one young art director to an art director of color? Well, number one, I had to grow a mustache because <laughs> I, I had a baby face, you know? So I had to grow a mustache. I had to look older than what I was. And uh, when I started working with in, in an advertising agency, no, nobody really wanted to work with me because I was a person of color. You know, everybody was blonde, blue-eyed, you know, and here I was, you know, dark hair, looking like Zorro. And, and uh, it was a difficult time. But, you know what, I, I tell people, I said, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like. They could have an impression of you as you go in, but you change that impression with your smartness. You know, and it got to the point where they said, you know what, Spanish kid isn't that bad, you know. <laughs> but the Spanish kid was kicking ass. Excuse the language. But but then you know they were saying, no, you know what? He he's he's pretty good, you know. And they, they and you lose color, right? You lose you lose color because you become smarter than them to be equal to them. I learned that from you. I, I, one thing I learned from you is when you walk in the room, you know who you are. You're just going to have to give twice 
as much. Yes, you got to give it. You, you got to give a hundred and ten percent when everybody else is giving almost a hundred. You know, and uh, and then you know you got to you got to learn how to how to think on your feet. You got to you got to be a be active. You got to watch everything. You got to look at the competition. You got to study the competition. You got to be the be the competition in order to beat the competition. Because you got to learn how to think like them so that you could outthink them. You know, Dan, there was one story you told me that I swear that I tell people all the time talking about competition when you went one on one with Olga V uh, during the Circus World pitch. Can you kind of elaborate how you won Circus World even though Olga V, David Olga V showed up for the pitch? Right, you know, uh, I was I called up Circus World to see if I could uh, pitch because they had they had an open they, had, they were looking for an advertising agency, you know, and uh, the the secretary told me, you know, you you wait outside over here, and he he's got somebody in there making a pitch, right? So I I waited, and all of a sudden the door opens up, and there's Ogilvy, you know, and. Uh, Guy's shaking hands with him, you know, this guy's name is Joe Mount, he's shaking hands with him and he's doing all types of uh, of nice gestures and everything. And then the marketing director calls me in and I go, oh my God, I can't believe it. You had David Ogilvy in your office. Yeah, I can't believe that. He, yes, yes, he came over to pitch the account. I go, wow, man, did, did you take a photo with him? He said, he says, no, why? He says, because that's the last time you're going to see that guy. <laughs> He's not going to come over here with all the with all the uh, million dollar accounts that, that they have. You'd be happy to see the C team, you know? Wow. Here I am. I'm the A team, I'm the B team, and I am the C team. You don't have to take a picture with me because you're going to see me all the time. What a pitch. You know, a lot of things that people can discover about you, which is amazing. Also, your history with Anheuser-Busch, especially during the creation of um, Bush Gardens. Tell me a little bit about that. Oh yeah, with, with Bush Gardens, they uh, they they called me uh, in St. Louis and that, and asked me if I could uh, work on an account that they're going after, and it was Bush Gardens, you know. But there was no gardens, you know. It was an, an animal farm, you know that uh, that August Bush Senior was collecting. He had all these animals around, you know, a brewery. So we decided to call it Bush Gardens. 
and we created it from scratch. You know, we 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 had nothing to work with, nothing at all. So what we did was uh, we cre- we took movies and used people lookalikes like them, like uh, like Humphrey Bogart and the African Queen, and. We put him in the scenes, and we we borrowed. Uh, we went to other theme parks and took, and asked them if we could take pictures and use use their rides because we're going to put those rides in our theme park. And there was uh, there was Humphrey Bogart, uh, guy's name Sax. I forgot his first name, but he he looked just like him. And the guy thought he was Bogart. You know, he would talk to me. He says, "How are you doing, kid?" You know, and he, he hit his his pocket, and the cigarette will pop up. You know, and smoke it, and you know, so uh, had a good time with him. But it was, you know, we had to create everything from scratch. We had uh, another uh, commercial that we did, which which that one won me a Clio. Another one was with uh, with David with uh, David and Livingston, Stanley Livingston, right. And uh, we created that, you know, in, in an African theme. And uh, we said, you know, I, I came here to, the guy says, I came here to uh, take you back to civilization. He says, what? Civilization? Look at what I have here. And it takes us through the park, you know? Wow. So they, they loved that. And I uh, got a Clio for that too. So it was, it, I mean, it, we created things like, uh, you know, we'll give, uh, you could get in and get a free drink with, uh, if you come in in your naval, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, veteran outfit, you know, and people would come in. I mean, the outfits wouldn't even fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. one is a good one. You know, we had one uh, for the media, you know, that said, scoop an elephant. And we, they, they had a little uh, giveaway that was, uh, you know, you come in and you and you get this little prize, and it was really a terrible little prize, you know, worthless, you know. It was. And I, and I, I, I just, I, I just said, you know, uh, come in and get your good for nothing gift. <laughs> well, so every everybody loved the. Uh, the, the puns in the in the tongue in cheek type of uh, things that we were doing. But one of the things that that I remember that I was very impressed with is I think you, were you the only one that was allowed to draw the Keebler Elf? Is is that I, I remember that story and right? You know, um, had a friend who knew the marketing director at uh, at Keebler. And uh, the guy's name was Mark Miranda. And uh, we had a, a good relationship. And he needed some artwork done, but he couldn't get it done immediately. So I, I volunteered to do it. And he liked it so much that we had, we had the permission to do all the cable. Wow. Uh, drawings and artwork and everything else. Yeah. He also gave me a a Keebler watch, which I have to this day, you know, with the little elf in it. 
<laughs> so, you know, there's one story, Dan, and, and, and this is important because not only do I want people to know about you, and, and it's very important to know the history of advertising and whether it's the positive and negative of it, but there was one uh, story because you were the only person of color within the agency that you got all the assignments that had to deal with the African-American community or any, any, any ethnic community. Um, and I was, uh, I, I like the story about the hair products that you work with. Yeah, you, you know what, um, it was, it was in the early 70s or, or just the beginning of the 70s when they had set-asides given to the, uh, to the African-Americans and minority community, but the minority community was African-American. Right. At that time, you know, so, uh, the owners of the agency looked around and they said, you know, we, we, we got to get some of this set aside money, you know? So, uh, they said, I don't, we don't have any, uh, any African Americans on, on board. So, uh, let's give it to Vargas. He's the closest thing to black we got, you know? <laughs> so they made me black. Wow. And I had to learn a whole new culture. Right. You know? I, I come from an Afro-Latino um, culture because of my dad's side. My grandmother was Afro-Cuban, right? So I get it. I get it really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you you sit on the fence and with, uh, with us, right? <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the same way, you know? I mean, you, you know, what happened was... Uh, when they brought the the Africans to America for slavery, they would stop at our ports. They would be they they would bring them into the family, and they would let them keep their heritage. They would let them keep their drums, let them keep their music, let them keep their gods. You know, like Babalu. I uh, see. You know, that's one thing. You know, I grew up. You know, kind of two worlds. I was a uh, musician and and grew up in art but you know a lot of my music that i play you know you have the afro beat in it with with all the latino music la conga and merengue you just it's that mixed culture that really drives the music and it's most wonderful melodies i i am so happy that we embraced it and partnered with it with our music and our culture and our food um, it, it's kind of apparent, you know. Yes, it's it, it's it's in our it's in our bloodline. It is. You know? I mean, you, I tell people you could look at you could look at my family and it's the rainbow. You know, you, you got blondes on one end and darks on the other. Yeah, that's the way it is with me. You know, you got your Spaniards, you got your Moroccans. I mean, it's the whole rainbow, which is makes things wonderful. You know, it's like. You were saying, um, you know, if, if you look at advertising, it's like a New York tenement, right? Every floor has its own flavor and smell, which makes the culture just vibrant. So then one of the things that, that I want to bring up is, okay, here's a big one. What got you from New York to this Atlanta? What a difference in culture. Oh, yeah. I, I, when I went to uh, to St. Louis to work on uh, Anheuser Busch, I won all these awards, and I 
I told my wife, I said, you know what, we're going back to New York. And uh, one, one of the agencies that called me was BBDNO. And I, I, accepted, <clears throat> I accepted the job at BBDNO, but they said I had to do a year in Atlanta. You know, come down here and work with them. And I, I said, oh, boy, wait. So come down to a one-horse town here? <laughs> you know? And uh, they said, no, no, no. You know, Atlanta, you know, pretty progressive. It has, it has everything, you know. And the thing is, they, they were right. They were right. Atlanta has everything, but they only have one of it when I came here. And somebody, sometimes somebody borrows it and they don't bring it back, you know. Who's <laughs> that? Let's let's put everybody in a kind of like the time frame. What 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 year was that around? It was uh, nineteen yeah nineteen seventy. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that was the year that you know the funny thing is that was the year that I moved to Atlanta. Of course, as a kid like 1972, 73 to Decatur. And my grandfather said the same thing. He went from, we were in New York. We actually were in Brooklyn, trying to decide if we're gonna stay in Brooklyn or, or in Newark, New Jersey, where all the Cubans were at. So we we're going back and forth. And then all of a sudden we got up and my grandfather said, we're going to Atlanta. And my grandmother goes, what? Atlanta, what's that? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there was a big, <clears throat> there was a strong uh, Cuban population when I got here. <clears throat> you know, and it, it was good. It was good. I I got together with them, and uh, one of the things was that we always had to go and uh, and get care packages from New York or or the island to get the foods that we were accustomed to. Yeah. Uh, you know, people yeah. would, would say, you know, when I got there, they said, where are you from? And I would say, I'm from Brooklyn. He said, no, 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 no. Where are you really from? <laughs> oh, we still get that, Dan. <laughs> I'm from Puerto Rico. Oh, Puerto Rico. Where's Puerto Rico? Yeah, they, they didn't know who, uh, who there was no uh, Jennifer Lopez, there was no, no no Ricky Martin, you know. Only Ricky Ricardo. Yeah, right. Oh, I know him. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lucy. But I remember there was one, and, and I remember as a kid walking, because we moved to, you know, it's just rental. We moved on um, Fifth Street right off of uh, Piedmont and there was a little grocery called El Rinconcito which was a very small little grocery store I think the Diaz family owned my grandfather was friends with, with the grandfather and we would walk there to get our fresh Cuban bread uh, Cuban coffee and a few items other than that my family would send it up from Miami or New York we would just get the groceries that was the only place yeah the only place to go to, you know, and Bernadette Diaz was, was a stock boy, right? But he, he turned it into an empire. He did, and I'm so glad for that. So, Dan, so you're in Atlanta, and then comes the birth of Vargas and Amigos. Can you kind of 
explain that because also you worked with Jimmy Carter as well. So uh, kind of give us that little early history of yourself in Atlanta. Well, what happened was uh, when I worked at BBDNO, they, uh, they said, well, you know, you spent your year here, you got to go back to New York, you know, and you work, <clears throat> work on Pepsi. And I, which is with their biggest account. And I, uh, I said, I don't want to go back to New York. They said, well, you, you got a choice, you know? You have, you have, uh, hold on a second, okay? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, they said, you, they said you, you have a choice, you know, you uh, you got to go back to New York. And I said, there's no way I could go back to New York. There's no way, you know, I, I saw something here that I really like, you know. It came up from from the ground, it was brown, it had green on top. I said, what, what is that? They said it was a tree. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I, um, I decided to, to leave, you know, I said, I, they said, well, we really don't have a choice. I said, yes, everybody has choices, you know? So I decided to, uh, to leave the agency and open up my own agency. They said, they told me, they said, you know, you don't, you don't have a choice. And I said, everybody got choices, you know? You could, uh, you only got two choices, you got to pay taxes or die, you know, and those are the only choices people have, but, you know, I got a choice, I'm going to stay in Atlanta. And that's when I decided, you know, uh, I'll, I'll find some another agency to go to work for. And I would go to that agency, I would go to different agencies and I couldn't get hired because I was I was called a beached whale. Wow. And a beached whale, you know, I said, what do you mean by that? He says, you're, you're, you're too big for the market. You know, we can't afford you. So I said, well, let me open up my own agency. And I opened up an agency and uh, got recognized by Raf Shun and uh, he asked if I could join him, become a partner. So we became uh, RSVT, Raf Shun, Shivers, Vargas, Tolkien. And we, uh, that was the agency that put Jimmy Carter in office. Wow, that's an amazing story. I, I can just imagine Working and also working with a with a legend, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter. Wow. Yeah, and you know, it's so nice to uh, to see that he's still around. Yeah, it gives me hope too. <laughs> yes, I, I've never seen uh, the kindest person. You know, I I had the opportunity to meet him with our mutual friend Keegan Federal. Um, it's just an amazing person. But, you know, what I love, you know, one of the stories that you tell, which I think is very impactful because people need to learn from it, was when you were at Dugan's and Anheuser-Busch decided to shoot a commercial and the whole event from there. This is such 
meaningful. Can you kind of explain that story? And I was there, you know, because I, I was handling the black hair care company. And uh, I was there with my client. And all of a sudden, this boss comes right up to Dugan's, loaded with, with white people. They go in uh, and ask everybody to stand on the side because they're going to do a filming for Dugan's. And uh, all, of a, all of a sudden, the owner comes up. You know, the owner is, uh, was white, you know, and he comes up and he says, what's going on here? He says, well, we're doing a, a film for you, for Anheuser-Busch, and we're going to, you know, in different locations in Atlanta, and yours were selected, so we're doing it now. He says, these are all white people you have here. He says... Look at my clientele. Look at them. They're all around here watching you. They're all black. He said, get out of here. You know, we don't, we don't want you here. You know, this is an insult. So uh, I turned to this tall guy who's next to me. And I said, did you see that? He says, you know what? Uh, I got a good mind to uh, to report it to the Wall Street Journal advertising. And uh, the guy says, you could do that? He says, yeah, I got connections over there. You know, the advertising department and uh, marketing. And he says, if you do that, I'll, I'll create a... Uh, you know, I'll, I'll create something to, to stop people from coming for drinking their product, you know, a boycott. Right. And I said, can you do that? He says, yeah. He says, I'm a, I'm a local congressman. You know, so uh, we got together over at my agency and we planned it out. And there's the boycott. And then all of a sudden, it, all of these, uh, all of these people are uh, are being affected by the advertising, you know, that that they're not getting, and the drinks and everything else. So, Anheuser Busch says, you know, let's let's have a meeting and work this out, you know, with the owner, me, and uh, the guy was was Vernon Jones. Mm -hmm. You know, and he said, um, and we go to the airport where they have a, a beautiful table laid out, you know, with food and everything. And the owner uh, comes in and they shake his hand and the uh, and they they go to Vernon and they shake his hand and then they they come to me and they said. Why are you doing this? You know, you're not black, you're not white. What's it? Why are you doing this? I said, you know what? I came to Atlanta and there's a lot of smart, intelligent 
African Americans here. You know, they they run Atlanta. Yes. You know, and you had the nerve to come over here and slap them in the face. You know, I'm Hispanic. We have no representation. What are you going to do to us? Mm. Such you a statement. Wow. What are you, you going to do to us? Wipe the floor with us? No, no, no way. No way. You just what you got. What you got to do if you want to appease me. You got to make sure that every ad that comes out in the near future has to be approved by me. So that's a big request. This is that's the only request. That is amazing. And that, that's what I did. That, I mean, I'm telling you a lot of stories there. I think that also to just kind of, because we're going to get to the point where you and I meet because you have such a big legacy. But I think other stories that need to be mentioned is now, you know, the Hispanic community in Georgia are, are, is at a million or a little bit over a million. But when we came here in the 70s, it wasn't at that point. Uh, there was a young organization starting called the Latin American Association, which I remember as a kid, it was in uh, Lindbergh Plaza under Kmart, a little room under like almost the basement behind Kmart, right? And exactly. and it was, and I remember my grandfather going in there because of immigrant, you know, supporting and helping Latinos with immigration. There was a leaflet <laughs> and that leaflet was said, Mundo Hispanico. I mean, it literally it was like what a, brochure leaflet and you were kind of helping this go in the direction that it is now uh what's that little quick little story well what happened was when i came to atlanta i said you know what i i'd like to meet i told my secretary i'd like to meet with the movers and shakers in atlanta and i got to meet all the African-American leaders. And I said, where are the Hispanic leaders? They said, well, they're on them. You know? And I said, uh, they, but there's Hispanics here. They, they search it out, you know? So they, uh, they got me Mundo Hispanico, which was uh, the Latin American Association, but I didn't even know about Mundo Hispanico, you know? So I go over there and I tell them who I am. And I said, you know, I, I'd like to help you. And I go into the, they, they take me into the boardroom and there's like, um, I would say about four or five, five board members, you know? really nice people you know one was a uh, capital paints and at that time and there were some other people there and after the meeting they asked me to be a board member and i said yeah i'd be glad to you know help wherever i can and after the meeting they introduced me to the executive director which was lena dominguez and i go 
you know, I, uh, what a pleasure to meet you, you know. I'm very happy to see what you're doing with the Hispanic community. They, they said, well, he said, well, you know what, um, it's a shame because I was let go today. And I go, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, is there, is there uh, anything I could do? He says, uh, no, there's nothing you can do. He says, uh, you know, you, my passion was I was putting together this little uh, two-pager, you know, Mundo Hispanico, and I wanna, and now I can't do it anymore. They said, what are they gonna do with it? He says, they're going to get rid of it. They're going to get rid of it. He says, well, buy it off of them. He says, I, I, I can't afford it. He says, they're getting rid of it. They're getting rid of it, you know? They don't want it. You could afford it, you know? Come over to the house this weekend. I gave him my address. He came over to the house, you know, same place I'm sitting right now. And uh, he, he says, uh, he said, what are we going to do? He said, we're going to put together a, uh, a buyer, you know. He says, uh, we'll put together a buyout and you're going to buy the paper for a dollar. And uh, because that way there's a sale. And he said, you think they'll go for it? Yeah, well, you know, they're going to throw it out. So we presented it. And uh, he said, uh, he said, you know what? They don't, they want more than a dollar. I go, well, how, how much more? He says, 10 times more. <laughs> <laughs> so he bought the paper for $10. Oh, my. And then from there, it's history, you know? Yeah. It's, it's... I got him, well, from there, he had to get a place. Yeah. Right? So I signed, I co-signed for the place. Wow. You know, on the building that he had. Mm. And uh, I did it. I, I did his mass ad. I would do all types of stuff for him. I do his ads for him. You know, no charge. And he said, uh, he said, you, you want to be? Can you be part of it? I said, I can't have my name associated with you because I'm on the board. I, I got to tell you, this leads fast forward. Let's lead fast forward. You know, I met you uh, early 2000s. And um, it's so funny um, the we had so many adventures together in the ad world. And I learned so much from you uh, uh, to the point where, you know, one of the one of the things you taught me was uh, beyond business is the 80-20 rule where you really need to uh, understand the community and the involvement that you have had in the community uh, and, and your gorgeous wife has had in the community has impacted myself and my family. What I, you know, it's a Hispanic Heritage Month. So I'm kind of having podcasts, a lot of Latinos. What advice would you give 
um, you know, up and coming Latino creatives, ad men. To and how do we how do we embrace this? How do, how can we embrace our career, our community, and and walk away with our heads up and success? What's your? Well, you know what? Uh, it's it's hard. It's hard now, as it was when I was starting out in Atlanta with the advertising business. Yeah, mainstream agencies work with a hundred percent of the marketing budget. Ninety percent of that budget goes to mainstream. Ten percent goes to minority. Now that minority gets divided by African Americans, Asians you know, uh, Hispanics, and they expect 100% of the work to, for 10% of the budget, you know? So what happens is all of a sudden, you know, you, and that, that, that's what made me, made me who I am today because, you know, with 10% of the budget, you got to be smarter. Yes. To make that 10% work so that it, you look better than the 90%. You taught me that. You literally taught me that when you and I were working together, working on Hispanic uh, marketing, whether it was local, regional, or national, I would look at the budget and go, really? And it wasn't there and we had to do so much more and think so much harder and they still wanted the same results meaning exactly. the marketing that the national uh, advertising campaign had right right and you know what uh, on top of it there's a prize when you do it <laughs> he actually accepted he's actually going to do it Right, right. You know what? Uh, one of the things that that you you said to me that I still crack up all the time because he said uh, he said, "Boy, I can't believe it." He says, uh, "When you were when you were growing up, you know, uh, how was it?" I said, "You know, uh, he said you're you're a pretty old guy, you know." He says, is it, is it, yeah, well, when I went to art school, there was only three of us. You know, there was Moses, I mean, uh, not Moses, <laughs> he, he graduated before. Yeah, <laughs> Michelangelo. <laughs> there was Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and myself, you know. We used to do our layouts in, in granite. <laughs> that was with love. That's why I told you, don't hand me copy on a tablet. <laughs> right. <laughs> we we had fun. I remember the, the biggest campaign that I think that you and I did was so much fun. And you came up with an amazing copy for, uh, for the Latin uh, community, which was we did that thing with Aaron's. Remember Aaron Rantz? And... I'm sitting there in the office trying to look at analytics and you come in and you're like, what do you got? And I'm like, I got this crazy idea. You just stood there and I came up with um, the luchador, right? Right. But I didn't have a name. I just said, 
we just because everybody at that time was doing Hispanic means soccer and I was sick of it I mean literally I'm like can we please not do any more soccer uh, um, related you know uh, marketing can we do something right. different? so I said let's do the wrestler right and the analytics actually showed that luchador you know was was at that time um, and still is popular but I didn't have a name and you kind of looked at it you didn't tell me the idea was good or bad you kind of looked at it and you said Aaron El Varon. You came up with this great name. And I'm like, oh my God, I've been busting my head against the wall for a week. And and I go, wow. And um, and then we just blew it out. And I remember us pitching it uh, to the president at that time uh, of Aaron Rents. And he sat there, I pitched it and you pitched it. And remember he went silent and we're like, Oh shit! Um, I, I don't know if we got this account. And he stood up and he goes, for the first time, an agency approached us and came up with an original idea. Let let's. He, he was shocked. He was like, and and I, and I really contribute that to you. And then we had to work on the copy, right? Right. <laughs> and you're copy was amazing. Remember what you said? Cuando se fue, se fue. We sold out because we did the campaign in Texas in Hologen, Texas. We saw that their whole thing was we're going to get the Latino group uh, advertising. We're going to run it Thursday because we ran radio ads Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. They were sold out Saturday afternoon. You got you to gotta tell them what what it means in English. So Aron el Baron is Aaron, you know, Aaron rents. Um, so if you take the word Aaron, it means Aron, which is a name. Um, and El Baron mean, you know, Aaron, the big boy, big guy, you know, so it kind of translates really cool. When you have Aron el Baron, meaning Aaron's the big guy, you know, the big wrestler, the muscle guy. And your copy, and it rhymes, and, and and yeah, it rhymes, which makes sense. And then the copy rhymed too, because cuando se fue se fue, it translates to you know when it's gone, it's gone. Uh, and then of course there was other copy. There was radio ads run on print. There was a whole big thing. So you gave me an idea, which I laugh about it today. Uh, remember they called me and I had to fly to Mexico to right. the pitch because it wasn't sold yet to their entire sales team in Mexico. And I said, what a perfect background. I'm in Mexico. So I decided to walk out with what? The mask. <laughs> and you told me we're at, we're at the four days and I'm wearing that mask all four days. And by the end of the third day, Everybody was like, where is that home? Where is that home? Which drove the sale and we did the marketing. But um, these, I think that those illustrate, these ideas and, and that success illustrates all the teachings that you've had was you got to be smarter. You got to be on your feet. You got to bring something different and you have to do 300 times more than the guy next to, uh, next to you in order to make it. I mean, Honestly, the advertising world, as you know, Dan, 
like what were you telling me about the advertising world you know it's just sharks right what was your saying on that with the sharks yeah yeah you know what um it was it was funny because you know reverend laurie you know and came up to me and he says you know what we need hispanic representation in, uh, in congress over here and we we'd be glad to to treat you you know teach you how to become a a politician and everything else and uh i was i was so impressed you know reverend rory ran he came over and called me especially to do that and i i came home and i told my wife you know i said uh, i said you know uh, told her the story I just said. I was so excited about it. I came and I told my my wife about it. And she says, you know what? Why don't you just stick to the sharks and barracudas in your business? Because those those politicians will leave you alive. Case in point, why I I mean this is amazing. Case in point, that's why my butt left uh DC, I'm back in Atlanta. I want to tell you something. All right, tell me something. It's something that I that that I tell people and it was between you and I, but I used it as a reference, right? Okay. And the uh, the, the reference was you came to me, you know, I I have this great idea. But the guy, the head guy doesn't want to buy it. You know, he doesn't want to listen to me. He doesn't want to do anything, you know. I said, I said, you know what you do? On Friday, the guy like clockwork gets on the elevator at five o'clock. You get there just a little before five o'clock, pitch him the idea. On Monday, he'll come in and it's going to be his idea. It's not going to be your idea, it'll be his idea, you know. And you could sell anything if if you make it their idea. Absolutely. You know, so you I, I still use it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you 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 got to uh, you got to know who you're selling to, right. and you know how they uh, how they think, what they like, what they don't like. You know, I mean, I I tell people, I said, you know, people come over to me and they say, well, you know what? I got a suit. I'm going to give it to you. It's a Hugo Boss suit. You know, I go, wow. He says, I'll give it to you. I said, that is great. It's green. I said, it's green. Yeah, it's an olive green suit. I said, no, 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 I can't have it. I said, why? Because by the if I wear that suit, by the end of the day, I'm going to be sick. He says, why are you going to be sick? Because people look at it and it reflects in my skin, and they're going to say, "You don't look so good." By the end of the day, I don't feel so good either. You know, <laughs> you can't sell me something I don't want. You know, so I got to know what you like in order to sell you. Absolutely. You know, I I I've learned so much, and um, I am humble that you give me an hour today and you know my friend you know you're you're part of the family by familia we have to stick together you know especially now during these times you know it's it's very important that we 
proper what uh, prop each other up. There's one thing you and I uh, was at uh, university a couple of years ago, and we were lecturing some students, and you said something, and I'll kind of slowly end it with this. And your advice is, so you know, we have to be appreciative where we're at now because somebody had to lift us up and put it, us on their shoulder in order for us to be here. And we have to remember that. And uh, I know I had to stand on your shoulder to be who I am now. Um, so thank you, my friend. Uh, is there any other like last minute wisdoms you want to tell all these great Latinos who are trying to um, uh, better themselves in this industry? Well, you know what? One piece of advice that you gave me that I really enjoy and I live by now is it's hard to help others if you can't help yourself. True. You know, so you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of your family, then take care of others as you go. You know, uh, when I was the leader of the community, I was alone. I didn't know whether I was doing it right or wrong. There was nobody there to teach me. But, you know, now we have a lot of young leaders, a lot of people. I wish them a lot of luck. I wish them success. You know, in, in our business, you know, uh, you don't, you don't want to be, you know, t telling people, you know, I wish you luck and not mean it. You know, because sincerity is the important thing. Yes. Be honest, be truthful, be true to yourself, be true to others, and take care of those who need the help. But remember what you told me, take care of yourself first, because it's important that you are around for a longer time than others. Well, and I think the next time we meet is going to be with Café. Uh, a little bit of cafe con leche. We're going to get through this. And again, the best wishes to you and your family, uh, to everything you've done with the community, this industry. Uh, I, I just, muchas gracias por todo lo que ha hecho. Uh, para mi familia y tu familia y la comunidad, gracias, muchas gracias. Con esto, chao. Chao. We see each other in person. Y que Dios te bendiga. Gracias, mi amigo. Te veo.